Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Is your internet keeping up? It's time to upgrade your home with Verizon Home Internet with plans starting at just $25 a month and leave surprise price hikes and hidden fees behind. Get fast and reliable internet for an incredible price with Verizon. Ditch cable and switch to Verizon Home Internet starting at $25 a month with auto pay and select 5G mobile plans. Availability varies. Plans start at $25 a month when combined with existing select 5G mobile plans and auto pay and paper-free billing. Fios requires mobile and home discount enrollment. $99 Fios setup charge may apply. Visit verizon.com home to learn more about 5G home, LTE home, and Fios. Welcome to the Blackhawks Talk Podcast. I am Charlie Romeliotis with James Naveau. James, we're powered by PointsBet right now, but I got to divide this because I'm in the virtual podcast studio powered by PointsBet. You're in the actual podcast studio powered by PointsBet. So I feel like PointsBet is really getting their money's worth right now (laughs) with having you there and me here. Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to be curious why uh, you hate my guts and don't want to be in the same room as me. We don't need to uh, go into that. That'll be in the uh, book that Charlie's writing about the Blackhawks rebuild. So <laughs> look forward to that hitting publishers in about 2026. Oh, love it. Keep me posted on what the uh, the what the uh, the the book editors say when it comes <laughs> when they when you pitch them the uh, the book idea. I'm sure it'll be just riveting stuff. Riveting. <laughs> All right, so let's get into some some Blackhawks news. They came back from their three-game road trip. James, this team is dropping like flies. I uh, We'll get into the lines in a little bit, but they got some tough news. Uh, one of their young forwards, Cole Gutman, they're shutting him down for the rest of the season with a shoulder injury. Um, he re-aggravated this injury on February 25th against the San Jose Sharks. I don't know if you remember it. I think it was happened in the third period where he got, um, he took a hit and he looked really uncomfortable on the bench. And uh, Luke Richardson said, apparently he's been dealing with this injury since November. Mm-hmm. So all signs were pointing to Cole Gutman eventually getting surgery. I think the team was holding off as long as possible because they wanted to, they wanted Gutman to have a chance to kind of prove himself at the NHL level, but, and they really liked what they saw. So I think they, they, it made sense for the team and the player to kind of shut Gutman down right now so that he could be fully healthy for, for training camp. But uh, yeah, it's, it's tough news though. When you have one of the, your, your young forward, uh, I don't want to say promising, but he's been one of the bright spots for Chicago late in this season. So for him to be shut down, that's tough news for him. Yeah, he was one of the bright spots with the uh, Rockford Ice Hawks, too, at I think 16 goals and 39 games down there at the AHL level and really had been showing himself as a pretty solid scoring option for the Blackhawks. I know that he is never going to put up the eye popping numbers, but he's definitely at the very least a quality uh, weapon on that side of the puck. And I think that there were probably some people who were curious about why the Blackhawks decided not to send him back down to the Rockford Ice Hogs when they had the trade deadline and you had to move guys down to the AHL to make them eligible for the playoff run. So I guess that would make, you know, a lot of sense why he wasn't sent down if he was dealing with this 
uh, shoulder injury that had been re-aggravated, and they kind of knew that they had a specific timeline they were going to have to adhere to so he could have surgery to be ready for training camp. And it sounds like we've uh, finally hit the expiration on the clock for that. So it makes a lot of sense to get him healthy, get him ready for next season. I think the Blackhawks are going to want to give him kind of an extended look in training camp next year as a guy who could potentially be on their roster next season. I think that he's definitely proven himself at both levels this season. And like you said, it's just kind of a bummer that this interesting story, this guy who you know, kind of came, you know, up through the system and was potentially going to have an impact on this team for the remainder of the year to lose him now does kind of stink. But yeah, it just kind of seemed like the way Luke Richardson talked about it, it was kind of inevitable. And yeah, we just at the end of the line today. Yeah, it did seem a little confusing why the Blackhawks didn't uh, make him part of the paper transaction for the AHL to make him eligible for the Calder Cup playoffs um, at the trade deadline. Uh, but then, you know, I, I'm told the Blackhawks obviously knew that this was going to be a possibility that he was going to get surgery on his shoulder. And I was actually told that uh, they wanted to do this a little bit sooner, but Gutman wanted to keep playing. So I think that that's a, that a nice character for him wanting to try to play through it as long as he could. But then it obviously got to a point where the Blackhawks said, okay, if you want to be fully healthy for next season and you don't want to, you don't want to spend all summer rehabbing, let, let's get ahead of this now. Um, and just to clarify the, the paper transaction, the, the Blackhawks have four, uh, all NHL teams, they have four call-ups after the trade deadline. I believe this is excluding emergency call-ups, although I yeah. could be wrong. Um, and so they they put down Joey Anderson and Lucas Reichel. Those were two of their four that that got sent down. So if they were to send Cole Gutman down to the AHL and then recall him right away, like they did with Reichel and Anderson, that would have been that would have taken up one of the four spots. So it, it made sense not to include him as part of that those paper transactions. But uh, yeah, it's tough news for him. Uh, some other injury news: um, Anders Bjork and Austin Wagner. <laughs> well. <laughs> More injury updates, I feel like, but we, yeah. we didn't even get more, um, more injury updates on Andreas Englund, who's out uh, one to two weeks with, an, with a hamstring injury. This was as of last week. He wasn't on the ice on Monday at practice. Uh, Colin Blackwell, he's still out with a groin injury, so he wasn't on the ice at practice on Monday. And then Reese Johnson was in a white non-contact uniform. Uh, he's still in concussion protocol, so he was not practicing fully with the team. And then you have... Anders Bjork, who was injured on the the three game road trip, um, and Austin Wagner, who has still not participated in a practice or a game with the Blackhawks, he was he was the late addition at the trade deadline. Um, it sounds like they could join the road trip, probably towards the end of it if they do. Um, but they're they're gonna ha- they're gonna see doctors later in the week. I think Luke said it was going to be Wednesday or Thursday. So the list keeps getting longer and longer when it comes to these injury updates. Yeah. And James, it almost got a little bit longer at practice on Monday because Peter Mrazek took a puck to the neck area and it really stung him. Like he was in some serious pain. And actually right before that happened, I saw on the other end of the ice, Alex Stalock, he took two pucks to the helmet. So the, the the Blackhawks goaltenders were were they took a beating on Monday at practice. Well, you don't handle this like they do in Major League Baseball, where you're kind of not supposed to hit the ball back up the middle when you're doing uh, live batting practice. There isn't that kind of like respect level at the NHL level where you're not supposed to be firing pucks at the goaltenders' masks. Like what happened to politeness here, man? I it thought definitely- the players were really kind and polite people. 
It definitely is an unwritten rule that you don't go high on your own goalies, especially during warmups like of a game. Like you're just you just want the goalie to feel the puck. Yeah. Practice might be a little bit different because I think players are trying to simulate where they would shoot in a game. Right. But you're it's still you're not supposed to go that high. Um, So a few pucks got away from the Blackhawks skaters. And I will not mention the three skaters that were the culprits of this because uh, it. It was a common theme at practice. It, was, it wasn't just one <laughs> player that Richardson we... didn't just like slam his stick down and be like, okay, guys, you need to chill with this. Like, yeah, it's just if there was, you know, anything but bad luck for the Blackhawks goaltenders this season, I haven't seen it yet. Like, it just seems like to be a recurring theme that whatever the most bizarre thing is, is just going to happen repeatedly to those guys and pads. It's almost like uh, the goal creases are cursed at fifth third arena and stuff like <laughs> I. No clue what's going on with any of that. Um, did they provide an update on Morazic after practice? It seemed like Luke Richardson said that uh, he kind of laughed it off and said that Morazic was probably just wanting to be done with practice early. Was that the vibe that you got from the team? Yeah, that was the that was the running joke, Luke. Uh, I think Luke Richardson looked he looked a little confused as to what we were talking about because it was the first question of the media scrum. We were like, "How how is Peter Morazic?" And he kind of looked at looked at us like what is he talking about and he's like i just saw him in the hallway he's like he just literally saw the dude get hit in the neck with a puck like could you please elaborate on how that guy's doing can he talk like what's going on right well to 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 be fair (laughs) yeah to be fair luke said he he didn't see what happened so he was in the dark as to as to what was going on um wait a second he got on him then guys way to go media scrum (laughs) yeah well it happened towards the end of practice so like practice was winding down anyway um, so Mrazek, I think was just, he was just sitting on the bench for a few minutes and then he was probably like, ah, screw this. I'm out of here. I don't know what, I don't know what else I'm going to get out of this day. Who can frankly blame him? Um, the other injury update that we didn't, uh, get to or that I didn't include, I saved this for, for last is, is Jonathan Taves. Um, he's still not skating. And when we asked Luke Richardson about this after practice, he said, um, he's still in the first step of just gym workouts. He hasn't gotten yet to the the portion where he should, where he can be skating. James, I don't know about you. Um, we got 17 games left after Tuesday, the Blackhawks are going on a five game road trip. So they're going to be gone for essentially two weeks. You doubt Taves is going to join the team at some point during that trip. Are we getting to a point where it seems unlikely that he's going to play this year? Because that's, that's where I'm trending. Well, I had said on the last podcast or one of the last podcasts that we did that I thought there might be some logic to potentially just shutting Taves down and kind of saving him for, you know, getting him ready for the offseason. Um, I know teams have a tendency to do that when they're out of the playoff picture. And frankly, with the way the Blackhawks are kind of trying to lose some games right now, I think that that would what? Probably, they are. I, I know. Breaking news. Right. <laughs> um the, I just it seems to me like that would probably make the most sense. The thing I wonder, though, is if Jonathan Taves wants to potentially get back on the ice, because I know that they've got this five game road trip coming up, but then they do have a four game home stand and then they have a couple of home games toward the tail end of the season. And I'm just wondering if he wants to maybe get back out on the ice and play a couple of games in front of the home fans before he either goes somewhere else in free agency or potentially retires. Like I'm wondering if maybe that's kind of motivating the actions a little bit. I think that's the only kind of thing that I can think of aside from, you know, him just flat out wanting to be on the ice. I have to wonder if maybe that's playing into the calculus a little bit. And I'd be interested to hear uh, Jonathan Taves kind of reaction to that. And one, I wonder if that's something he's building back up towards. 
Yeah, for sure. You obviously mentioned the the homestand. I feel like deep down, he would really like to try to get back at some point this season just to play a few more games because, I mean, you even think about it, his future beyond this year is very up in the air, not just with the Blackhawks, but his playing career. I mean, if, if he doesn't play for the rest of the season, that means he didn't play for essentially the second half of the entire year or close to the entire se- uh, second half of the season. His production was, is, has obviously not been where it usually is, um, you know, pre-illness when during the 2020-21 season when he missed all of it. So you wonder what team or what teams would even want to, I don't want to say take a flyer, but it, it's not like they, they know what kind of Jonathan Taves they would be getting beyond this yeah. year. And you don't know how his body is going to hold up and how he will physically and mentally. So I think it would be important for him, uh, e- even even just if this could be the end of the road for his Blackhawks tenure, I think he would love to kind of have that little send-off. But mm-hmm. he would also, I'm sure, like to prove to, to some teams or, or whatever, uh, if he wants to continue playing beyond this year, that... Hey, like when I'm when I'm feeling good, like this is what my this is where my game is at. And it's right now there's just so many question marks that it's really hard to answer. I'm genuinely curious, like what, like you said, what teams would actually offer him? Like, is is if he's really insistent on coming back for, you know, at least one more season, I would think that you're there's no way he's getting a multi-year deal of any kind. I think that he would probably get a one-year deal for a couple million bucks from a team. I wonder if literally any team but the Blackhawks would even offer that to him at this point. I mean, you're talking about a player now who has missed significant chunks of time because of the uh, uh, immune disorder that he's been dealing with. And I just, I can't see in in an era where teams are having to shed caps so often just to make any sort of moves, you know, at the trade deadline, I can't imagine a team wanting to, you know, expend a bunch of capital on a guy like Jonathan Taves to get him to sign there when they, they would run that risk. I know that teams need to get to the salary cap floor frankly the Blackhawks are going to be one of those teams next season but I I just think that the the thing that would make the most sense right now apparently for Jonathan Taves maybe is to just sign a one-year deal with the Blackhawks if he really does want to continue his career but as you alluded to that's not even really a guarantee at this point that he wants to or that he can right yeah it's good I think if he did hit the open market and moved on from Chicago like you said, I mean, it's probably a one-year deal, and we're looking at on the lower end of of the AAV kind of contract. And I, I believe he hit he, he turns thirty-five in April, so that would make him eligible for a potential bonus uh, or a potential performance-based contract, similar to what Patrice Bergeron did this past year. Oh, well, it's a little bit different though because he's he was still playing at a really high level, and and they did that be- for for cap reasons because that that bonus would be or that those bonuses would would be would count towards next year's cap but it would at least allow some protection for the team that is signing Taves you know like right. if he plays an x amount of games or if he gets x amount of points that means he's playing an x amount of games right so i think that's where you know that's where it gets a little tricky but i i would not i can't see beyond a one year deal maybe two no. tops but that would have to be really that would have to be on the lower end of the the AAV yeah, absolutely. Like I, I would think that you're literally talking like, you know, 2 million bucks. Like I just, I cannot see a team going beyond that and running that risk. And when Taves is healthy, what's his ceiling right now, Charlie? I mean, you said um, during your first uh, 
kind of intro to this topic, you mentioned that he hasn't been the same player since he started dealing with this autoimmune disorder. And the question for me is, is he ever going to be at that level again where he was before he started dealing with that? And I think based on the last couple of seasons, I mean, even when he was at his best this year, I mean, what's his ceiling like third line center right now, right? I think that's probably the fairest assessment I can give him. And you're not paying a guy like that more than like two million bucks. Am I off base with that? No, I, I think you're you're totally right. I think it's third line center with the possibility to jump up to the second line if he's if he produces or if he if it's midseason and he's starting to kind of get on a little heater and maybe you have an injury to your top six and he can kind of step in there. But yeah, I I I totally agree. I think that's where it's at. So it's something we're going to have obviously have to monitor and it's hard because the team goes away now for two weeks. So I, you know, we'll, we'll get updates from the road, but when they get back to Chicago, if we get reports that, that Taves still isn't on, it isn't on the ice. I mean, that's, I mean, we're, we're two and a half weeks, two weeks left from the regular season ending. So yeah. it would be really, I think, yeah, I think less than two the regular be- season ends one month from today. Yeah. Like, so we're recording this podcast on Monday. It is one month from today. Right. So it's going to be roughly two weeks when they get back from Chicago that that Taves is he's going to have that much time to get ramped up. And even even if he does, as soon as he does hit the ice, he's going to he's going to need a little bit to, to kind of get his his practice uh, conditioning back, his game type shape. So, yeah, it's just uh, yeah, it's tough because I'm sure Blackhawks fans would also like to see him one more time um, just because even even the way Kane went out, too, it was they everyone thought. March 2nd against Dallas, that was going to be Kane's last home game. And, you know, and then he he's sitting out for for um, uh, management reasons because he, he was going to be traded to the New York Rangers. So yeah, but he was just, also out on the road for at least those games. I think he only missed true. the one home game, right? Like before the trade deadline, he was true. he was out on the ice for most of their games before that. So the fans that did go to see him play at the United Center against uh, Toronto and Vegas, like they did get to actually see him play. But yeah, I just with that many home games left on the schedule and it's kind of backloaded, I would think that he does need to be on the ice within but I think by the time they get back from this road trip, I think he has to be on the ice or else I don't I don't see a scenario where he just rushes back into this. I feel like that would be doing him a disservice. And I don't think that he wants to do that to himself or to the team. So that's going to be a really interesting situation to kind of keep an eye on. And I honestly have no idea how this is going to play out. So we got no Jonathan Taves still. The Blackhawks are without Colin Blackwell. They're without Anders Bjork, Cole Gutman. Uh, Austin Wagner, Reese Johnson's in a non. So they got all these injuries up front. Enough of who's out, who's in. <laughs> I was going to say, James, you want to hear what a tank roster looks like? Yes, I do. The, the, the Blackhawks recalled Mike Hardman and Buddy Robinson <sighs> from Rockford. Wow. We're at James. the we're at the break glass in case of emergency period with Mike Hardman. That's where we're at right now, James. They are that th- those two players are on the third line. Although I'm not quite sure, maybe they move Kachuk, Kara, Joey Anderson up to the from the fourth line to the third line and interchange. But even if that was a third, even if Does that was it a third really line, matter what you call those lines at this point, so I think listen, the numbering is probably out the window right now. So, yeah. So listen to these lines: Reichel, Kurashev, Athanasiu, Tyler Johnson, Jason Dickinson, Taylor Radish. Okay, top six is unchanged. Mike Hardman, Mackenzie Entwistle, Buddy Robinson. Boris Kachuk, Jujar Kara, Joey Anderson. That that makes up the entire 
the four line rotation. I mean, you, that is. You had told me at the beginning of the season we would end up with number one center Philip Kurashev. I'd have been like, well, Tank is proceeding as planned. I think that's about the right mentality to look at that. Well, with. how about this, James? During the Connor Murphy didn't play uh, in Tampa or on Flo- in Florida because for personal reasons. So, do you know which three players wore the A's? It was Seth Jones. Tyler Johnson and Jared Tenorti. All three of those say, guys. I thought Tenorti had the A on. I was kind of I wasn't surprised by that. I think he's made a lot of um admirers in that room. I mean, who would have thought that the when they acquired him, that that would be the point that we would be at. Luke Richardson had a really good quote at practice today. He said, if he said Jared Tenorti, if you had a if you owned a bar, he would be your bouncer. Like he, I'm like, that, that is a really good way to to sum up Jared Tenorti. Um, house. He, he is a very intimidating man and just seems unfazed. But, but James, seriously, if I told you two years ago that in a game on March 11th, whenever it was, March 10th, that the, the three captains were going to be Seth Jones, Tyler Johnson, Jared Tenorti, you would have been like, huh? I would have been like, why are you making such oddly specific predictions? That's how my real reaction would have been. Because that that would have meant obviously Patrick Kane and what happened to Patrick Kane and John in the Taves, but also Tyler Johnson and Seth Jones, they were not on the team two years ago today. Mm-hmm. So you would be very confused as to how they got on the team. And then Jared Tenorti wearing the third A, he was claimed off waivers by Chicago earlier this year. I mm-hmm. mean, he was he's not even the guy that's been around. He's just he joined the team in October and now he's suddenly in a leadership role. But I agree, it, it does say a lot about Tenorti and uh, how he actually does have a, a presence in that in that locker room. But it's also like, holy cow, has the leadership changed just in a matter of two years? <laughs> yeah, and it does. I mean, it again, I guess it can call into question, like who's going to wear the C when, you know, when and if Jonathan Taves leaves. I think that we've all kind of assumed that it would probably end up being a guy like Seth Jones. But I'm genuinely curious, like... You know, if if they end up trading Connor Murphy over the offseason, I think it's maybe slightly less likely now that they uh, traded Jake McCabe. But I'm really curious who else your leadership team would be besides Seth Jones at this point. Like, are you going to sign a veteran guy and put the A on him? Like, that's it's very interesting. And I know that, you know, a, a lot of this is injury based and personal reason based, but it still does bring up that question. Who exactly is uh, leading this team in the locker room right now? Now that, you know, Kane is gone. Domi's gone. Taves has been on the shelf. Like, I don't know. You're around the team a lot more often than I am. I, I think that aside from Seth Jones, who else can you see being a leader on this team going into the next season? Are they even on the roster right now? Honestly, it's a good question, and it's something that I have on my docket of things to write post-trade deadline of who the next captain could be for Chicago. And I, Seth Jones is the obvious front runner just because of his contract, but also the fact that he's been around for for so long, and he's also he's a respectable so guy. Two years. Yeah. Well, I guess in the NHL, but I'll see. Like he's a he's a really good player. You know, it's not you're not slapping a C on some third liner where it's just like, well, all right, we guess we got to go with him. Wow, that was kind of a dig at the New York Rangers. Way to go, buddy. <laughs> hey, whoa, whoa, easy. They have like nine alternate captains, so I don't even know which one I would be digging at. Um, but here's my feeling on that. I, I think I wouldn't even I wouldn't even name one going into like I don't I wouldn't even have one in my mind of someone to name. I think I would want to see how the lottery shakes out. And if if the Blackhawks land Adam Fantilli or Connor Bedard, I, I think those are the eventual those two would be eventually 
captain material. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I would be quick to slap one on. Now, if the Blackhawks pick fourth, they pick fifth, and and now you're going in like, okay, like who would our next captain be? I think that's that's when it could be a conversation. But I think it, the second they draft Bedard or Fantilli, one of those two, they become the face of the franchise, and they've be, they've been whatever uh, in leadership type roles throughout their career, especially Bedard. I mean, he's he was like a he was. Uh, obviously captain of Regina and, and he could easily be the captain for team Canada at the world juniors this past year, because he was so good. So I don't think I would be quick to, to think about who would, who would wear the C on this current roster. I think I would wait to see how the lottery shakes out and then be like, you know what? Bedard Fantilli, those guys are going to be the face, you know, put, put the C on them and not, not when they get drafted. Like I would wait a couple, a year or two or whatever. Oh, you don't want to make an 18 year old captain. That's, that's shocking. I can't believe you would say so controversial and yet so brave. Unless the Blackhawks want to beat, um, Jonathan Taves. They want to make, you know, Bedard, the youngest captain in franchise history. I I remember David become the captain of the Oilers. How old was he? Uh, Connor McDavid. He was actually, uh, he was pretty young. I think he was, he had to be the, was it? He might have been the youngest captain, actually. He, it's, he maybe, it's, the, it's really close. Like, I thought it may have been him. I, th- I know that uh, Gabriel Landeskog was also really young when he was named the captain of the Avalanche, right? Yeah. Sorry, I got distracted because we just have some breaking news live <laughs> on the podcast. I love breaking news. So the Blackhawks just signed or agreed to terms with forward Ryder Rolston on a three-year entry-level contract. He's going to report to Rockford. So he's basically one of the guys that they've had in their system. Um, and yeah, good for him to, we're, 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 we've reached a point, James, where a lot of these players as colleges seasons are going to be ending. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like Wyatt Kaiser could be another one to keep an eye on. I believe his college season ended on Sunday. He could sign with the Blackhawks. So these are things that we're going to have to keep an eye on moving forward. Um, you know, when college seasons do wrap up, who's going to make the jump to the NHL and then which NHL players are going to play right away and maybe burn they're the first the first year of their entry level contract but it yeah. sounds like Rolson is going to the HL so he he'll be in Rockford right away well i mean they clearly are going to need him to do that considering the blackhawks are missing like 17 or 18 uh forwards so i think that <laughs> that makes a uh, that makes a ton of sense um don't i haven't watched a ton of notre dame's games this season i did see that uh rolston's a little bit under point per game pace pretty consistent with what he's been throughout his uh uh, collegiate career. I think that he's an interesting guy to kind of keep an eye on. He was, I think, a fifth, fourth or fifth round pick of Colorado, if memory serves. So he's doesn't have like the greatest pedigree of all time, but definitely a guy worth kind of keeping an eye on. And yeah, provides some good uh, depth down there at the AHL level. I think the Blackhawks are probably looking at some longer term injury concerns. I think if they're just going to automatically assign him to Rockford, they don't want to do the um, the four call up thing that you were talking about earlier. So definitely going to keep an eye on that. And yeah, good, good depth signing, I think, for this prospect group and kind of see, you know, what they have in him after his uh, collegiate career with Notre Dame is concluded. Yeah, I, he's part of the Blackhawks organization, though, prior to him signing, like he got drafted by Colorado, but I believe he like his rights were from Chicago. Am I am I am I mistaken? I'm, trying, I'm, um, I'm pretty positive. Yeah, I honestly do not remember how he um, was acquired. I, I would have to look that up. Um, okay, he was part of he was part of the um, Josh Dick uh, Josh Dickinson trade when they sent they sent uh, Carl Soderberg to the Avalanche in 2021. That's how they got him. By the way, 
I just looked this up the same time you did, and it was Josh Dickinson writes to Ryder Wilson, and I'm like, wait a second, I forgot that the Blackhawks had a Josh Dickinson, and now they have a Jason Dickinson. <laughs> so I don't know, they're collecting Dickinsons in the deal, but yeah, he was part of the, the Blackhawks organization, but now it's um it's official that he has yep. signed. Well, there you go. Um, all right, before we get to the the main topic that I wanted to talk about. These did you know they? Minutes. Did you know, James, that you could win big with NBC Sports Chicago and Coors Light? Just enter the Scratch and Score sweepstakes for your chance to win two sweet tickets to a hockey game this season and more. Enter at NBCSportsChicago.com/sweepstakes. Tony Gill is telling me we are not eligible for that uh, giveaway. I'm very upset about this. That's that's really unfortunate. That's that's, <laughs> that's really unfortunate because we I feel like we deserve to be to be eligible for that um, given what we've been through this year and what we've oh, had to watch. Although, say all right. Hey, what the, what I wanted to talk about is Luke Richardson. So it made me think after the games against Tampa and Florida, it's like, man, the Blackhawks played some competitive hockey. And I mean, you look at the numbers and yeah, they were skewed. Tampa was the better team. So was Florida, but they, they, they got a point against Florida they barely missed out on a point against Tampa Bay, um, giving up a goal with 55 or 57 seconds left in the game. And it made me think, you look at the roster, like I just tweeted out, the, or I, I just shared with you the lines that were at practice on Monday, James. How the heck are the Blackhawks still being competitive in these games? And it made me think, is Luke Richardson not getting enough credit for... You look at the standings and sure, the Blackhawks are not competitive from that standpoint, but within the games, they are competitive. They're losing competitive games, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Is is Luke not getting enough credit for what he's done with this Blackhawks roster that has basically been stripped to the bare bones post-trade deadline? I'm going to say something that you may find slightly controversial. I think he's getting ample credit for a team that has lost seven of eight games, including games to such, you know, stalwart (laughs) franchises as the Anaheim Ducks and the Arizona Coyotes. I think he's getting ample credit when his team blew multi-goal leads against the Detroit Red Wings. I feel like he, they blew a multi-goal lead against the Florida Panthers. I'm not laying this on the feet of Luke Richardson at all, by the way, but what I'm you are. What I'm saying is that this seems like a weird time to be talking about like moral victories when they're getting their, you know, they're getting their brains pounded in uh, multiple times a week right now. What I will say is I do think Luke Richardson is getting he's getting the credit he deserves, at least from what I've seen in terms of the way that the fans are kind of viewing all of this. I feel like he has got he's obviously has a lot of rope. A lot of fans know the you know struggles this team's going to go through and they kind of see what Luke Richardson is kind of trying to do. I think it's one of those instances where you can potentially get into an argument about something being underrated. And then in the process of making that argument, you prove that it's appropriately rated because then everybody starts saying it. (laughs) I think that Luke Richardson is probably around that zone right now where um, I think people are giving him uh, proper credit for what the team has been able to do in terms of a competitive approach to things. And I think that a lot of people, like I said, they know what they're getting into with this guy. And so I think that he's being appropriately rated for lack of a better term. And I, I think that you're absolutely right about the team, you know, playing competitive hockey against some really good teams. I mean, you look at what they did against the Ottawa senators, you look what they did against the Toronto Maple Leafs. I know that was while Patrick Kane was still here, but still like they had gone from being, 
a record underdog against Toronto when they played them up in Canada a few weeks ago to beating them at the United Center. Like that is the hallmark of a team that is really fighting hard. And I think that, you know, they deserve credit for that. But I also think that Luke Richardson is being given proper credit, at, at least I think by the team's fan base. So I'm going to say it's been about right. Okay, I, I I don't mind where you took that. I thought you might be taking that in a direction where he was getting overrated for the amount of credit that he's that that mm-hmm. he's gotten. But I I I that's fair. I think he has gotten the proper amount of credit. But I will say maybe a little bit, maybe he des- deserves a little bit more just just because it does feel like this was. If you if you told me that the Blackhawks were gonna be were gonna lose this year, but they were gonna be really competitive in those losses, I think that's exactly what they wanted going that's into exactly the year. What we we literally talked about that from the jump this season was that we wanted games to be entertaining. We wanted to see some strides forward from key guys, and we wanted them to be competitive. And I do think we've gotten all of that. Right. And I will say this. I'm not going to be naive to the situation that they have gotten really good goaltending lately from Alex Daylock and from Peter Mrazek specifically. And what's the old what's the old saying, James, show me a good goaltender and I'll show you a good coach. Like, yep. you know, if, you, if your goaltender is good, the coach is going to get the credit. If the goaltender is bad, you know, the coach is going to get some blame over, you know, what's going on because the wins and losses are just opposite. But um, I, I did some digging and I, I looked at some of the numbers. OK. The, the, these two things jumped jumped out at me. So the Blackhawks, they lead the league in multi-goal comeback wins with eight. Mm. Now, the the one side of the coin is they've they've been falling behind a lot in those games, but the other side of the coin is they're they're fighting back and they're clawing back to to play themselves back into the games. And I don't want to say more often than not, but eight times this year, a league high, they've overcome those. And five of them, James have been in the third period. Mm -hmm. They've been third period comeback victories. Um, So that, that stood out to me and they've allowed the first goal in 41 of the 66 games this year. So like that, that's a lot. And I I do think the Blackhawks are playing very hard under Luke Richardson and you see it. Here's the stat that jumped out at me. So the Blackhawks have played 66 games this year, right? 23 of them have been one goal games in those 23 games. The Hawks are 12, five and six. Mm. Now I, I did this by hand too. So I, I hope I'm not uh, incorrect or I didn't miss anything, but in addition, six, uh, si- uh, six more games from the 23 were they ended in two goal games, but it's, it's because there was an empty netter at the end of the game. So you essentially, so essentially 29 of the 66 games have been one goal games for Chicago this year. That's a percentage of almost 45% of the games. I mean, that that's a pretty solid number. That's a pretty solid number. It's not like the Blackhawks are getting the the their brains beat out every night. Like they're staying competitive even when you look at some of the games and you look at the final scores at the end of the games. Sometimes they don't look pretty. Like sometimes you you are going to get the 6-1 or the 5 nothing losses in there, but most of the times it's been it's been one or two goal games for the Blackhawks and the two goal games have been empty netters. So like it, they have been fighting to the end. So I just, been, I've been really impressed with Luke and I, I think the, the players are really responding to him. Um, and I, I, I just think, you know, he was a really good hire when, for, for someone, for a Blackhawks team that really wanted to get the culture right and, mm-hmm. and play competitive hockey. Luke has them doing that. 
I'm going to be interested to see if that continues when they start to kind of go through some of the roster shuffling that they're going to be doing, uh, not only to end this season, but then also heading into next season. I think that um, a lot of the veterans, of course, are going to respond really well to the way that Luke Richardson likes to run things. I think that you've seen that happen with guys like Max Domi and your Athanasius and guys like that. I think they really do respect him a lot. He came into the locker room with a lot of cred and he has continued to build upon that. I think it's going to be interesting to see how the younger guys respond to that expectation. I, I get the sense that the Blackhawks are really looking hard at that when they're doing their evaluations of these players. And I'm genuinely curious to see how that moves forward. I, I would think that it's going to continue to you know be a good thing and that they're identifying these guys who are going to be willing to be coached by Luke Richardson and kind of, you know, live up to those expectations. So I think that if this season is any indication, I think that he does inspire players to play really hard for him. And um, I do think that you're absolutely right in saying like this team has been surprisingly competitive in a lot of hockey games that we maybe thought they were going to just, you know, be horribly blown out in. And I know there's going to be some bumps in the road coming up here. The Blackhawks have uh, the Boston Bruins in town this week. They're going to play the Minnesota Wild and the Washington Capitals and, you know, a team called the Colorado Avalanche next week. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely going to be some uh, ups and downs coming up here to finish out the season. But I think that overall, uh, Luke Richardson has come in and been exactly what the Blackhawks kind of advertised that he would be. He's a coach that engenders a lot of respect and he's a coach that is going to, you know, put in place a really solid culture around the uh, dressing room. And I think that he's done exactly that. And I think that he does deserve a lot of credit for that, for sure. Yeah. And I think the one thing too, is I feel like in today's NHL, the shelf life of, of an NHL court coach is, is shorter than it used to be. But in a situation that Luke Richardson is in right now, a lot of the guys he's coaching are not going to be here. Yeah. most likely in three, four years. So you know, I don't see up and down the roster. And then you, you right. literally ask yourself, is this guy going to be here when the Blackhawks are good again? And boy, howdy, there are not a lot of names on that list right now that are on the current incarnation of the Blackhawks. Right. And I think that bodes well for Luke Richardson, that his, his message isn't going to get stale for a while, right? It would be different if he was coaching the same guys over and over and over and over, and they were trying to compete for Stanley cups. And, but it's going to be a situation where three years from now, guys are going to be walking into the locker room and, and seeing Luke Richardson and meeting him for the first time. And th- so I don't see a scenario where his message or whatever is going to get stale in, in the in the next one or two years. Like I, I could see this really being a long term uh, fit. And, and I, I just think it, it does. It does bode well for for Richardson and and the fact that he when the Blackhawks are competitive again, he'll have a new group um, to, to really instill his message while Mm -hmm. also knowing that he has already laid the culture and the foundation that he wants his teams to play. So yeah, he he's been, he's been really solid. So I've been impressed. I think, I think you, you framed it perfectly. I I think he has gotten a fair amount of credit, but if he hasn't gotten enough credit, (laughs) I'm beating the drum right now that he, he really does deserve what he uh, has gotten. So like, don't, don't look at the standings and be like, man, the Blackhawks are in the Bedard sweepstakes. They're going to finish dead last. Like he, he has really had them playing competitive hockey in those losses. I do also think we should give some credit to the organization for the way they're handling their business in Rockford too. I think that it's very clear. This is going to be an organization wide philosophy 
of like drafting, you know, good people that are going to be willing to fit into this culture. And, you know, in addition to the fact that they're drafting all these guys that have a ton of speed and athleticism, I think they're definitely keeping a very sharp eye on what it is that they want out of players. And I think that. Um, just from top to bottom, this organization seems to be buying into it. And I hope that they continue to do so and they don't start to take, you know, some of the shortcuts that we've seen them take in the past. I think that uh, Kyle Davidson and Mark Bernard and company all deserve a lot of credit for the way the organization as a whole is handling it. Yeah, no question. All right. Good stuff, James. I should probably leave now and go right on this ride to Rolston signing. So. <laughs> We can get yep, something up very, on this. Very critically important and uh, got some work meetings. So let's uh, head off our separate ways and go do our fun, fun jobs. Good stuff for, for Charlie, for James. Uh, thanks for listening to the Blackhawks Talk podcast. We'll catch you next time. Don't forget to rate us, review us. And Pat will be back next week or not next week, the next episode. <laughs> and he's, he's, taking, he's been a really busy man and we've been trying to work around his schedule. But James and I have been holding down the fort. Um, so, so Pat will be back on the next episode of the Blackhawks Talk podcast. We will catch you next time. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.